Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We finished with a great topic the last hour. Favorite ice cream flavors of all time. I found out that I'd. it's a better question for me to discuss what ice cream flavors I don't like. And I really don't think there's a flavor out there. Unless you come with something crazy. If we're just going to stay within the parameters of normal ice cream flavors, I think I'm going to like every single one of them. We got a, you, we got a lot of text on it, too. you have been able to do the uh, shake that Fitty had? No. But also, that was not in the parameters. That was like pineapple, Java. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I think anything coffee, I can't do. No, the coffee chocolate chip, very yeah, underrated. I can't very, coffee. very good. We got that text in 704-570-9610. I guess we'll talk about some more sports here. Let's talk college football. Andrea Adelson of ESPN, one of the best writers in college football out there, ACC writer. We are lucky to have her cover the conference that we cover. You can follow her on Twitter, by the way, at a Adelson ESPN. Andrea, thank you so much for the time. How are you? Guys, do I get to weigh in with a favorite ice cream? You flavor? surely can. It, it was going to be the leadoff question, Andrea, so please <laughs> take it away. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Well, okay, it's really hard to pick, and I know I'm like taking the easy way out, but I have to give a shout out to my local ice cream store here in Orlando that comes up with the most unique, incredible, amazing flavors. And there are two that are unique to this store that I've never tried before anywhere else. So maybe you guys can let me know if this exists in Charlotte. But there is an ice cream flavor called Cinnamon Crunch. And so it's a Mm. cinnamon ice cream. And it has the, like, little toffee crunchies in there that I've never had before. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Andrew, where are you in Florida? Because I went to Tampa Bay and had some of the best ice cream of my life. And it had some kind of blueberry infusion. They allowed me to pick between two and three flavors. We're picking three flavors over here. And so that's exactly what I did with Tampa. It was like some, it was like a cinnamon blueberry combo. So Mm -hmm. it was phenomenal. And that was one of my favorites. Yeah, Carolina Cones up in Davidson. I had a uh, blueberry cobbler. And that was pretty good? Oh. Okay, so yeah, where are you again, Andrea? That sounds good. I am in Orlando, Florida. So if anyone ever comes to Orlando, you got to check out Kelly's Homemade Ice Cream. They have unique flavors and their usual, like, standards every month, and they change the menu. Um, But there's also a key lime pie flavor that's incredible and uh, a uh, banana pudding flavor that you get with graham cracker ice cream. So you combine the two, the banana with the graham cracker. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> um, we, we could have a really in-depth podcast on ice cream, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. And it, seemed, it sounds like it would do numbers. I'm already buying my ticket. I'm going to Charlotte Douglas International <laughs> Airport's website. I will see you in Orlando soon. Until then, right. I guess we'll talk about some college football. You wrote a piece on Drake May. It's available on ESPN right now. I believe dropped earlier this morning. It's fantastic on everything about what to expect with Drake May. But as I'm reading down the list here, Andrea, the first thing that stood out to me is that Mac Brown asked his quarterback to be involved in the offensive coordinator decision. What was your immediate reaction upon learning that Drake may had a say in who Carolina was going to be um, hiring as the OC? Well, the immediate reaction was for real, because <laughs> this does not happen, right? This is not normal where the head coach is calling in the quarterback to be involved in the entire process for who is going to come in as offensive coordinator. But the more you think about it, as an I Mac Brown do it. I mean, this is an absolutely not just for North Carolina, but for Drake May. You cannot mess this up, right? Considering what is on the line, who is coming, 
did last year cannot afford to take a step back from what they did offensively and where Drake May is in terms of not only his development as a but also his potential talking about maybe a Heisman, maybe a number one NFL pick. Um, those are obviously worthless items. So in order to be able to make sure Drake was as comfortable as possible with whomever was coming in to run the offense, he had him involved. And so he FaceTimed Chip Lindsey. And they talked a lot about not just football, uh, but obviously where they're from, Alabama, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that Drake is familiar with, having been recruited to Alabama and all of that. So um, there was a lot that they had in common, obviously, a lot that Drake liked about Chip Lindsey, not only in terms of the X's and O's, but the personality, and also the fact that Chip was going to push him to be better, right? Like, Drake didn't want anybody coming in there and being like, oh, you're Drake May. I, I can't tell you anything. I can't teach you anything. No. Drake knows that there's things. Um, and he wants that. He wanted that in his offensive coordinator. And he felt like he was going to get that from Chip. And so everything that Drake thought was going to happen after going through this process and being involved with the coordinator search, at least according to him, kind of played out during spring practice. He felt like he was being pushed. He felt like he got better. He felt like the overall offense made improvements so that they can be in a better position than they were last year, you know, starting out hot and then things tailing off at the end. Some of that was on the offense um, and an inability to run the ball. So, you know, the, the whole idea that Mac was going to rely on Drake to have a voice in this uh, it made sense the more that both Mac and Drake talked about it. Andrea, when you talk about what Mac has done as far as helping to assemble the offensive staff to fit Drake, and you look at it down the stretch, you said in the article in the final six games, teams blitz 36% of the time as compared to 30% in the first eight games, and the scoring went down from 41 points a game to 24. Offensive line giving up 40 sacks, and then Drake May only having six uh, TDR down the stretch in the final four games in which they lost all four. Do you feel like that the coaching staff felt like they were to blame for Drake's tailing off in production late in the year? Well, I think it's a collective effort, right? And they're never going to point the finger specifically to the player. You know, the coaches are going to take uh, the lion's share of the blame for that. And it was a whole host of factors that went wrong, right? And the offensive line was not nearly as effective as they needed to be, both in the run game and also in, in the passing game. I mean, the fact that I think Drake led Power 5 quarterbacks in scramble yards, that's not something that you want your quarterback to be doing uh, when he has the type of ability with his arm in the passing game to be able to do. So it obviously starts up front, and the running backs, while they're deep, I think they need to um, do better collectively to be able to um, find the holes and make some yards uh, when they have the opportunity to get some carries. And I think Drake also knows that, you know, he can't just scramble at the first sight of feeling pressure that something has gone wrong, that he needs to try and stay in the pocket just a long able to throw as opposed to getting some scramble yards. And one of the things that both Mac and Chip Lindsay talked about was not running Drake as much um, as they did, uh, not just on scrambles, obviously, which are not in your control, but also um, uh, runs that are specifically called for Drake. They want to try and get away from that so that they can establish the run 
with the running backs. And that's been an ongoing thing at Carolina the last two years. Sam Howell also was scrambling a lot and and had the lion's share uh, of the running yards when, when he was there in 21, right? So they know that this is something that they have to work and, and, and fix. And one of the things I thought was fascinating that Drake told us was the offensive linemen during the spring were wearing T-shirts that said, run the dang ball. And so Drake is to do that overall as an offense that, that teams aren't going to be keying in completely on shutting down him and the passing game if you have that threat to be able to run. So it was a huge point of emphasis and one that Drake is completely behind. And he even said, you know, my passing yards might not be what they were a year ago, but if we're winning more games and I'm better as an overall quarterback, I will take that all day, every day. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole dynamic plays out because it's not just completely on Drake's shoulders what happened at the end of last season, right? It was a collective failure of the offense to be able to sustain drives and take some of that pressure off of Drake, allowing defenses now to play you a little bit differently so that you can therefore take advantage of what you're being given. And then, Andrea, just one of my overarching takeaways from this article is that in this NIL era and players are more empowered in college football than ever before, do you feel like this sets a bad precedent for a player to be able to have this much influence on hires on the coaching staff? No, not at all. I mean, look, this is a very unique situation, right? And the thing is that go for somewhere else. And Drake obviously decided to stay at Carolina. Carolina's dad played there and brothers. Obviously, we all know what the story is there. But I think also understood that we're going to be these opportunities for Drake to potentially leave. And he didn't just want to rely solely on the loyalty. Like, he wanted to do something for Drake. Like, we understand and realize your value to us, what you mean to us, how important you are to us, and the success that we want to have next season. So we want to make you feel included in this process so that you are happy, so that, therefore, you don't decide, I don't know, I know I got all these ties to Carolina, but maybe there's something appealing somewhere else, right? So in all honesty, I feel like having some of that out there helps play in full ID in it. Now, is this going to happen every single time a coordinator is hired? No, I don't think so. But think about the uniqueness of the situation when you know you have a quarterback who has the potential to be the number one overall pick with one year left, and now you're changing your offensive coordinator. You want to make your quarterbacks feel comfortable with the changes that you're going to be making because there is so much on the line here. So I don't think this sets a a precedent at all, and I would be surprised if it's something that other coaches took a look at and decided, ooh, I'm going to do that from now on. I truly believe this was a very unique set of circumstances. All right, we're coming up against a break. That was Andrea Adelson joining us to talk about her Drake May article on ESPN.com. Follow her on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN and go read that thing because it is extremely informative on a team here in the Carolinas that maybe some people have some polarizing expectations on, but the QB, a lot of people expect good things from Drake May. Andrea, thank you so much. Can't wait to eat ice cream with you down the line. Thanks, yes. Andrea. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks. 
It's great stuff. Apologize for anybody that couldn't hear some of that. It was weird connection. That's one of those things where you got to try to make a judgment call on we're getting the nuts and bolts of some of the great analysis that she had on Drake May, but we would miss some of the details. Don't know if we're going to put that on the website. We'll try to piece it together. We will talk about some of the things we could hear because we still did get a lot of really good stuff from her on it being a unique situation. Perhaps it's not going to be a bad precedent set in college football of allowing players to have input on college coaching hires. How much was it at the fault of the coaches as to why Drake May struggled in the last four games? Let's come back. Let's talk more about that. We also need to give you an NBA final segment because it's game three tonight between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets, and it's all tied at one game apiece. Still more to come on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We are back. This is the West of Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Folks, you don't even want to know. All right? But Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse, coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels and Pepsi, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Don't forget to hit that follow button on the socials. You can start with the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. All right, so just had Andrea Adelson on, wrote the big piece on North Carolina's Drake May the plans that the Tar Heels have for him to make sure he does not start the season the way he ended it, because I've been doing some research on this, been digging deep because I got some stuff I'm cooking up for the ACC Digital Network, and uh, you can catch those on theaccdn.com and my Wes Bryant underscore 72 Instagram and Twitter. So the first 10 games of the season, Carolina goes 9-1. and one. He throws for 3,400 yards, over 3,400 yards, 584 rush yards. He had 39 TDR to three picks. Final four games, 0 for 4, 909 passing yards, 114 rushing yards, and 6 TDR. And so he comes to Mac Brown at the end of the season and to ask and Mac ask him what he needs to get better. He gives him a litany of things. Mac goes out and find the, finds the requisite guys to be able to help him. And you heard some of the stats we dropped throughout that article. He's going to be out without his top two receivers from last year, Antoine Green, Josh Downs, enter Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, and they've got to find a running game. They've got British Brooks coming back into the fold next season uh, as well. That should help. But what did you think about some of the comments Andrea made, Andrea made about Drake May, the direction that he's taking this offense and the precedent kind of, and I know he's probably not the first, but just the precedent being set of what he was able to accomplish in getting the things he wanted in coaching hires. 
So if we're talking about whether there was a precedent set with Drake May, I 100% agree with Andrea that there was not a precedent set here. If we are talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May as the top two quarterback prospects heading into this season, and there was some conversation about Drake May leaving North Carolina, remember we had that convo, is there a shot that he goes to Alabama where Nick Saban had recruited him out of high school as well before he decides to come to North Carolina? So if you were that worried about losing him, the best quarterback in North Carolina football history when it's all said and done. Sam Howell has the total numbers, but as far as any kind of hype surrounding one individual QB, it's all about Drake May and what he did. Yeah, you let him have some OC intel here. It's totally fine to get his input. It doesn't mean that Mac Brown decided to give him full autonomy on deciding who the offensive coordinator is going to be. But if Drake May is that special and you don't want him to leave... The alternative is that, all right, we're going to hire our offensive coordinator who we choose without having any regard for your input. And then we could maybe, and you could just go to a different college program that might allow you that. That's a little bit of the game. Now, the reason it doesn't set a precedent is if North Carolina goes after another quarterback that has not been this highly rated, Sam Howell included, by the way, who was very good. He was very good at North Carolina and was an NFL draft pick. I don't know how much you're giving Sam Howell any input. Maybe maybe a tiny, but probably not. Drake May, Drake May, you allow that guy to have an opinion on this. I don't think there's any precedent set here, at least not in North Carolina. Now, maybe if you're Alabama and you go after these types of QBs all the time, maybe it doesn't happen as much. But also, Alabama has Nick Saban. Nick Saban, having won all of those rings, going to have a better idea. Mac Brown hasn't won since he had Vince, Vince Young in 05. This is a dude that got fired, and already there are some Heels fans that are tired of what Mac Brown hasn't done already. Yeah, this is totally fine to allow Drake May to have a little input. Well, see, this is the reason I say that, too, because you're talking about a quarterback that's only going to be there one more year, and so that's the reason I beg the question about that, and I feel like you do have to do that at a school like a North Carolina to be able to keep a prospect, especially in this era, because I'm saying if you look at the the Lincoln Rileys of the world or the Nick Sabans, I don't think that there's a quarterback they're going to make those types of concessions with to, to allow them to be able to speak to offensive coordinator candidates for them. Uh, they may go out and just go off their own football acumen to be able to find a guy that would suit said candidate, but I I feel like North Carolina definitely went above and beyond for a kid in ways that I haven't seen to this point or heard of. Now, like I said, I'm sure over the course of history, there's been a lot of things done for recruits and for players. And I would say coming out of high school, they were about similar as far as ranking when you talk about how and Drake May as far as where they were. But as far as just you mean Sam Howell and Drake May? Yes. Uh, But as far as when they got there and the play that was involved, Sam definitely came out of the gates hot, just like Drake as well. But Drake seems to be different. He's he's a different caliber. But I just found this article just to be very insightful. I feel some of it might be a little bit of guilt from the coaching staff. I feel like that they feel like maybe they let him down just a little bit because when you look at the numbers and they talked about it in the article, how teams started to play Carolina differently down the stretch. Teams blitz 36% of the time compared to 30% in the first eight games. Not a huge increase, but enough that their scoring average went from 41.2 points to 24-7. But they did say 24.7, but they did say that the coaching staff, one of the things they did get at Drake May about was the fact that O-line gave up 40 sacks. 
he was responsible for some of those because they were coaching him not to drift into sacks and things like that. So they're coaching him, but I do think some of it is they felt a little bit bad and felt like maybe they let him down at the end of the year. No, I I think so too. So hopefully you get the offensive line shored up. You coach Drake May to not take more sacks than is necessary. And just going back to the offensive coordinator conversation for one other point I wanted to make, it's not like North Carolina went to Drake May first. Drake may picked a bunch of different candidates that he would be okay with. And then also provided input on who he would like to hire any candidate that Drake may talked to Mac Brown in North Carolina already brought in because they were okay or interested in the first place. Yeah. And so with chip Lindsay, eventually being that guy, Drake may really liked him, but also they brought him in Mac Brown brought him in because Mac Brown really liked him. So this is not some quarterback running the show. This is not Drake may being the end all be all, Mac Brown is going after the candidates that he wants to bring in, and then Drake May provides the input, not the other way around, and all the power. You think Drake May was yeah, saying, hey, I Yeah, I don't go. know, man. The way this article came across, it sounded like to me like Drake May was kind of running point on this because they said that he allowed him to speak with each one of the candidates. Yeah, and that, that he, they brought in. He struck up the best relationship. No, they speak to them. Yeah, and then um, they said that he struck up the best relationship with Chip Lindsay because from what I took in the article, he was talking to them on the phone. Yeah, but what? But this is... That's right. a lot. But it's exactly what I said. Each candidate on the phone, not seek who the candidates would be. That's True. Which is what I said. Yeah, like, and, but out of the guys he chose, I think May's cosign went the furthest of anything. I think I think it was even over Mac Brown's. I think even if Mac Brown wanted somebody else and Drake May wanted a particular guy, I think they would have gone with who Drake May wanted. That, maybe, but to be fair, you seem to have a problem with me saying or that you disagreed when I said Drake May was not the one picking the candidates. There's nothing here. I guess I misunderstood the verbiage when you said picking the candidates. Maybe he didn't go into it and say, okay, and looked over a list and said, I like this, 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 and this one. But as far as the candidates that they chose that they felt would be a good fit for him and then letting him speak to all of them and then ended up choosing the one that he had the best relationship with, that definitely struck me as him running the show. Well, that's important, though, when we talk about just how much power he has because this is the coaching staff and Mac Brown and the decision makers within that program they choose which coordinators they're interested in Mm -hmm. or okay with being the play caller next year. So once they pick whoever they feel comfortable with and bring them to Chapel Hill, Drake May then gets to speak to the candidates that have already been chosen by Mac Brown, which means that Drake May only had some kind of input. Maybe he drove the show once they got the candidates, but he's not here out here. He's not out here watching film for whoever UCF and saying, Hey, bring Chip Lindsay in. He got to talk to Chip when Mac Brown in North Carolina already had him as a candidate. Right, which right, right. But I mean, he didn't have the time to be able to do anything like that either. But I, I just do think. No, for I'm not arguing players, that. I'm just saying yeah. that's it's not Drake May pick. Yeah, I just think for college players who are going to be in for a cycle, I think that's a lot. Like that's just my opinion. I think that's a lot. When Drake May is that talented, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and, and you, you have to do that because you're North Carolina. Yeah, you allow. Yeah, look, if you're if you're comfortable with any of these guys and you don't want Drake may to leave, then let him pick a coordinator that you already deemed you're comfortable with. Cool. This guy's that good. Let him do that. It doesn't set a bad precedent. Right. Okay. So moving on to the NBA finals tonight, game three, a big one, Uh, Miami, just to give you a couple of, of, of numbers here, 
Miami is plus 90 in the fourth quarter in the playoffs right now. So they're the best fourth quarter team in basketball. And then also a guy that we're about to talk about and the effectiveness that he's having. Bam Adebayo's defense on Nikola Jokic right now. Jokic is shooting 46% when Bam is his primary defender. And so this is the guy that's Miami's other superstar. And we like to talk about him because he's a North Carolina native out of uh, Little Washington, where Dominic Wilkins is from, for those of you who don't know. Is this a guy that, coming into it, and then we'll get into adjustments, but I think a big storyline here is, would he elevate himself to superstar status with the finals win, and how do we view him at this moment? I don't view him as a superstar, and I, you know, me, I, I guess I was the one defending Bam Adebayo. But would he be in, with a win? Uh, I don't think so. I Superstar is, like, perennial all-NBA guy mm-hmm. that leads your team, and he's not the leader of this team. That's still Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Yeah, he's not even the best second player on championship contenders, right? I mean, I don't – I like Bam Adebayo. I, I view him as an all-star. If we want to talk superstars, which I often make fun of semantics in these conversations, but I do think there's a pretty big distinction here. You can be a superstar, and you can be your Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, and then we can have whatever bridge you think is the gap between all-star and superstar. I don't even think Bam Adebayo was in that bridge there. I I don't think he's there. Even with an NBA Finals win, a conference, uh, uh, an NBA Finals MVP award, I don't know if that would be the thing that vaults him into that conversation, too. He's a good player. I really like him. I don't think he's limited. I, I think post play is not necessarily his strong suit, but why ask him to be a post player if he's better at the top of the key, facilitating, running your offense, being a defensive stalwart, being an all-defensive guy? I just don't think superstar is ever anything he's going to be able to attain until you get multiple all-NBA selections. Like He doesn't even have one right now. So where do you have him at at the moment? Is he a star? Yeah, I'd I'd say he's an all-star. He's multiple-time all-star at a younger age in the NBA. He's not someone that you ever have as your lead dog to get to a conference finals even. If I don't think Bam Adebayo can be the best player on your NBA team, and he is the guy that can get you to even a conference finals appearance. But that's also really okay. Like, in his role, the best role that he's suited for, he is a hell of an effective player, and he's playing as good as he, as well as he ever has, in these NBA finals, especially given the stakes. So, yeah, I don't know if I could see him vaulting into superstar status, but that is not an indictment on any kind of lack of effectiveness that he has in this finals because he's been he's been very good the last two games. Yeah, I think if he can continue to play that he had in game two, if he plays like that the rest of the series and Miami gets a win, I won't go superstar either, but I think he definitely takes himself to the precipice of that. Uh, I think this is a guy that people are definitely going to look at as an integral part of their win. As I said, if he continues to do this, the defense on Jokic, things of that nature, he's going to develop a bit of a reputation if he can, quote unquote, kind of slow Jokic down just a little bit or do enough to be able to allow Miami to uh, to be effective in many ways. And so I think that he would take himself uh, to that next tier. And I think he'd be kind of star no man's land, if one were to say that. I think it's not quite superstar, but a little bit more than a star if he's able to be the second best player to help his team win a championship. So I think that's an interesting storyline to look at 
uh, going forward. But what adjustments do you expect to see uh, tonight on each side? Well, I, I think Denver had a lot of defensive breakdowns as it pertains to Miami's open three-pointers. And Miami knocked him down in game two. We saw Max Struess. I think he went four for four. Maybe he missed the next six. But we do know that he got off to a hot start in this game. And that was huge after going 0 for 10. If you listen to any of the X's and O's basketball podcast out there, Denver got destroyed for their lack of defense uh, attention to defensive detail. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., people were discussing him having played maybe his worst game ever in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And he looked a lot like the MPJ that had no clue what was going on defensively. His rookie season. That's the kind of guy he looked like. He's also not shooting the ball. Well, so that's a real problem. I wonder just how, how, how much improved Michael Porter jr. Will be. So I think Denver, I think they're going to come out with a ton of energy and I think especially playing perimeter defense to make sure that you get a hand in the face of any Miami three-point shooter. I think what kind of adjustment that Miami make, I I think, man, they've been running some pretty nice offense. A lot of that coming through BAM. They're calling the same play time and time again, and BAM is getting to make that decision off of cuts, off of, you know, whatever kind of side action that you have, inverted pick and roll, there's a lot of stuff that they're going through with Bam, so I think you just keep going to that. Eric Spolstra has told you they're going to keep running it if you can't stop it. And so Jimmy Butler, maybe that's one thing. If Jimmy Butler is called upon to be more aggressive, maybe you'd like to see that in some of the crunch time, but I, I like Miami's game plan clearly as the less talented team. Yeah, I think as far as if you're the Miami Heat tonight, there's not much of an adjustment you can make. I think you just have to adjust off the counter that you're going to get from the Denver Nuggets tonight because if you're the Heat, I mean, how much do you want to change? Do you want to change the fact that you shot 48%? From the field, do you want to change the fact that you shot 48% uh, from three? The fact that you went 28 to 11 on the assist-to-turnover ratio, and then also uh, the way you played, uh, well, you got out-rebounded. You were minus seven on the boards. I guess you want to hit the boards a little bit harder for sure. But when you look at Denver, um, I think that if the Heat can continue to shoot the ball the way they have, I think you continue to play. Nikola Jokic one-on-one. Defensively for Denver, you hit it right on the head as far as that's going to be the change. What is their defensive attitude today, especially after they've been called out by their coach? Because if they don't play defense tonight after what Michael Malone said, I don't see them playing much defense. You look at them in the playoffs right now, they're seventh in defensive rating, which is about on par with where they were in the regular season. They were 15th. 15th. So this is not a defensive lockdown type of team. This is a team that's going to shoot you out of the gym and is going to overwhelm you offensively with great team play, great passing from Jokic and those shooters hitting shots. And we know that they always say role players play better uh, at home. Well, Denver, they're not at home anymore. So the role players, Contavious Caldwell Pope, got to give you more than one for four. Michael Porter Jr., for sure, he's been the guy that everybody's called out. And Jamal Murray. He's got to get back to being that stout number two guy. He can't score 18 points tonight, even though he had 10 assists and they win the game. He's got to be in that 26 to 28 range that he's been in the entire playoffs where he averages 27 a game. I think another adjustment that Miami or that Denver will have to look to capitalize on, they got to win the non-Jimmy Butler minutes. Because one of the big-time runs that Miami went on in Game 2, it was some kind of like 8-0 run when Jimmy Butler was on the bench. And that is not anything that you can allow if you're Denver. You can go even. You can have a, a zero advantage for either team in non-Jimmy Butler minutes. 
But if Miami's out here outscoring you when their best player goes to the bench, that's a real problem for Denver. The other one for Miami is how much Cody Zeller do we see? Mm-hmm. Cody Zeller, I love you. <laughs> you gave us some decent minutes here for Charlotte Bobcats teams and some Charlotte Hornets teams. I thought you were underrated during your time here. But Cody Zeller just is not going to be anybody that's any kind of effective against Nikola Jokic. Only played eight minutes. Jokic destroyed him. So I wonder if there's going to be, if Jokic goes to the bench, this is when we rest Bam. And when he's out on the floor, Bam goes back out onto the floor. Like, I don't think Bam is ever going to see the floor if uh, if Jokic isn't out there. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Nikola Jokic, even though he had 41, 11, and 4 assists, he has been a plus all season for the Nuggets when he's been on the court and a minus when he has not. And this was his first minus of the season. So crazy. He's yeah, this was tremendous. Ridiculous stat line. This was tremendous. We'll see if Miami figured out something tonight, but we're not for now. We're going to figure out the last 50 flash of the day. 50 hit him with it. It's all right. To be a little fitty, a little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little fitty. Why? From a guy that's potentially underrated in BAM, I like to just properly rate him, to a guy that is, uh, well, at least in the opinion of Wes and I, overrated. Okay. Yesterday we're that talking about... That is not about, what I said. Uh, no, no, he's not gotten to him yet. <laughs> yesterday we were talking about potential athletes to be on the cover of Madden 24. Madden picked Josh Allen, Bill's quarterback. He's going to grace the cover of Madden this year. And the reason why this is important is EA Sports has said this is a make-or-break year for the Madden franchise. And you put a choke artist on the cover? <laughs> Doesn't seem like the future's good for Madden, folks. Well, is that a fair assessment from Fiddy? Because I, I think you thought he was talking about Bam, but would you say that Josh Allen is overrated? Uh, No, I think Josh Allen's a really good player, but he does okay. choke in the playoff. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think Josh Allen is a fine athlete to put on the cover of Madden. I think it's okay. He's not awesome? Oh, he's pretty. I think he's an awesome QB. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew it was in there. He's an awesome QB. Yeah, in the regular season. Yeah, yeah I fair. think the uh, Buffalo Bill fans aren't too excited about that, especially with the Madden curse, which the Madden curse is a mixed bag. You've had some guys that's been tremendous, and then you've had so. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think Calvin Johnson had that crazy year when he was on the cover of Madden. Wait, do we still, I mean, with the whole Josh Allen not performing in the postseason thing, we don't blame him for the Kansas City loss, the 13-second comeback by Pat Mahomes, right? Like that's not that's not Josh. Is that Josh's fault? Okay. A better know. quarterback would have managed a clock better. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have scored a touchdown on that last play. I All mean, right. you gotta take everything into account when you're up against uh baby goat. All right, when we come back, more of this nonsense. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. segment of Wes and Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
So we still don't have any segment to fill on this day in sports history. Don't have that. We got some leftovers I guess we could get to. We could continue to talk about ice cream. We could do that if you wanted to. That's always fun. One thing I did want to get to in the campus corner that we skipped over. It was a little bit about North Carolina. We do have a couple of foul line trips that I think you guys wanted to be called for on fouls. Oh. You want to end it with some anger before we go to Kyle? I'm with it. Because both you don't want to do this though, right, Fiddy? It's only gonna be Wes here, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not going foul line on a high school kid. You almost did. I mean I was there, but I'm not going that's what I got my podcast for. Before before we blow the whistle on Wes. We asked you because you said in the fishbowl, oh, I might just go foul line on this guy. We asked you if you wanted to, and then I could see the wheels turning. Like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. You know, you're it's damn decent of you, Fitty. Sometimes there are <laughs> well, moments it's, of growth. It's more, I got to be, you know, I'm a content creator. I got to record a podcast about this kid's decision. Okay. It benefits me to go off on my podcast more than it does, you know, here, because I'm going to get reprimanded probably if I criticize a high school kid. I got a double deuce today, too, a double up for the foul line. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's come up with some organic topic. Hey, did you hear about this John ja Morant news? There's some kind of report that it might have been a toy gun and that Adam Silver might suspend him 30 games. Hey, Wes, what do you think about the new story? <laughs> let's get it, man. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. That was scary. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> He's already dead. People walking by the window right now, I was afraid for them for just what they might hear walking past this doggone window because here we go again, John Morant. You're going to see me again in your trending timeline. What the hell is going on when he's getting on there now talking about it was a toy gun. Who does he think is going to believe that? Out of all the excuses you could come up with because you know that 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 those feet are going to be put to the fire and now all of a sudden you want to come back with the excuse that it was a toy gun. You have got to be kidding me. I mean, just as Stephen A. would say, the unmitigated gall for this guy to get on and now think that all of America, all of the entire world's intelligence is that of a peanut that we think that you had a toy gun riding in the car and we thought the blick was fake. I mean, seriously, we should all be outraged for someone doubting our intelligence just that much. Now, moving on, I promised you a double up and I got it for you. Isaiah Rogers of the Indianapolis Colts facing perhaps a lifetime ban. You are an NFL player. You make at minimum six figures. You're betting hundreds of bets in the $25 to $50 range on sporting events, including on your own team. How much money were you going to make off those bets? Were you betting 25 or 50 to win 100, maybe even 500 or $1,000? Your dumbass, it ain't even worth it. Oh, well. What are you doing? You got to be kidding me that you would risk your career. You didn't see Calvin Ridley? You didn't see Jamison Williams and the Detroit Lions guys? You didn't see what happened to them, but you thought, oh, it's not going to happen to me, huh? Isaiah Rogers. What? I mean, I know a lot of NFL players that were Rogers that were bigger stars than this guy. Let's start with Aaron. Carlos Rogers from back in the day, the DB. 
This guy somehow thinks that he can just sit around and bet on games and he's not going to get caught, and now your career is about to be over with because you were betting $25 on a parlay to win probably a small portion of your paycheck. Man, I'm done with both of y'all. Both of y'all should be done with your respective sports and go sent off to an island somewhere just to lay around and think about how stupid you are. All right, wow. John Morant and Isaiah Rogers going and being exiled to a different island, according to one Wes Bryant. (laughs) By the way, if you did not see the John Morant story, it actually was quote-unquote reported, I guess, by Breakfast Club. Yeah, that's right. The hip-hop show. That you have on, what is the radio station that they have uh, that show power on? I forget. 105? Yeah, it's something like that. Is it In better than the movie? The Breakfast Club? Yeah, because the Breakfast Club movie is one of the worst movies of all time. Boy, you say some wild stuff. <laughs> oh, I like the ride at West. Do you want to do you want to go to the foul line on him? No, I'm not going to go to the foul line. Because uh, we have another intro if yeah, you wanted to. All right. <laughs> like I said, the Breakfast Club, they came out with this quote. Adam Silver is going to go through with the suspension looking like it should be 30 games, even though even though the NBA knows it was a toy gun. I haven't seen anybody else run away with this yet. So we'll see. It does come from a very high profile show. So I don't know. But Adam Silver did tell you during the NBA Finals, and when he said he didn't want to distract you from the NBA Finals, he told you that we've got a lot of information to already make a verdict. And so once this thing is concluded, Miami and Denver, it's over and done with, we'll come out with our decision. I'd just give him an even longer suspension if it was a toy gun, just because. I'd make, I'd tack on 20 plus more games if it was a toy gun. The guy that was filming didn't act like it was a toy gun. I'll say that. (laughs) He dropped that phone quickly. Exactly. As soon as John Morant was showing that thing off, his friend dropped it very quickly. Yeah, I'd ask him if I was commissioner. I'd say, oh, it was a toy gun? It it was? Oh, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put 25 more games on it. Let's go. Just for being stupid. Man, it was a water gun, man. Those super soakers. Lord. Oh, water guns are great, by the way. I I do condone that. I do condone water guns. The water guns, you, you want it to look like a real gun or you like like super soaker? No, I need something. Yeah, yeah. That's, I need that's a what super I had soaker. I need green, orange, highlighter. And with <laughs> that, we'll move on because, Fiddy, as much as we talk about some of the moments of growth, sometimes you just don't have it. That's Wes and Walker on a Wednesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow from 12 to 3 p.m. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.